And, I, and to be honest with you, I don't really care. He, he had on black Air Force Ones, and black Air Force Ones is black Air Force. Oh, we're on? Hey, everybody, party people in the place to be. You already know what time it is. This is uh, Westchester's number one handicapper, uh, Bueno Dueno. And this is uh, What Do You Know? What Do You Say? Welcome back. Welcome back, guys. Yes, we're back in the place to be. This is yours truly, Dueno Dueno, and this is What Do You Know, What Do You Say, a gambling podcast coming straight out of New York, baby, and we're doing it like this. This is week 14 in the NFL, and uh, first off, I would like to uh, just make sure everybody had a, a, a nice, safe, uneventful holiday. I know I did. My holiday was my Thanksgiving, my Turkey Day, whatever you guys, Indigenous Peoples Day, whatever we're calling it these days. It was uneventful, which is how I feel all um, holidays should be. All holidays should be uneventful. Everybody should come through, eat, be merry, be cheerful, you know, no heavy stuff. I try to keep away from the politics and the religion, things of that nature, anything that could, you know, cause a little rift in between, you know, people who, with different opinions and stuff. But my holiday was, Thanksgiving was pretty good. It's actually my favorite, favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, with all the food and, 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 and the camaraderie and the, and the football. I mean, I mean, but not to toot my own horn, my picks for that, uh, for that Thanksgiving day, 6-0. Perfect. Picked perfectly against the spread, and I picked the over-unders perfectly. Oh, my goodness. I was uh, quite proud of myself, but we don't look back. We look ahead. We look ahead. Uh, but uh, I'm going to have to... Uh, I'm doing this pod a little bit later. This is my first time doing it this close to the actual weekend. Uh, it's Friday evening. Uh, it's the end of the week. I mean, everybody's looking forward to their weekend and stuff like that. Um, I've been trying to actually do this all week, but I've just been super, super busy. And I'm really sorry I missed Thursday night football. Um, if anybody's like, you know, on my IG, I actually picked Dallas to win last night. And I actually picked the under for the, I think it was 43 and a half. Um, I'm super glad that I didn't get to actually, you know, pick that game on my actual pod. So anybody who picked Dallas off of the strength of me, you know, can't win them all. That's why it's called gambling. But I'll tell you a little bit about my uh, Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving was awesome. Um, I actually hosted this year um, at my uh, tiny walk-up apartment with uh, my son and my, my beautiful special lady. So I had my uh, brother and my dad come over, um, nothing too crazy. I mean, you know, generally when I do Thanksgiving, I'm going to like another relative's house and it's a lot of us, but it was just a, 
a few of us. Um, and that was cool. You know, we, we, we had a, you know, we had a, a, a really, really awesome meal. Like my special lady, she is probably one of the best cooks ever. I mean, her steak, her turkey, chicken. I mean, she's, she's just the bomb. She's just the bomb. I can't wait to have her as a guest on this actual pod because she's quite humorous as well. But um, uh, we decided that well, off of uh, the suggestion of, of my son, a young man, um, he decided that we were going to have duck for Thanksgiving. Now, my brother, he already had a turkey, so we were going to have turkey and duck, but he requested duck. So um, I didn't really know how to, to go about getting duck. I mean, when I was in college, I used to eat a lot of it. Um, from you know, from the, the place where I used to intern at, there was a, a, a really nice restaurant. We used to go over there like every Friday night and get like duck and like sake and stuff. It was, it was dope. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with duck and how, you know, how it tastes and how greasy it is. And I enjoy it. It's duck, you know, and plus you're kind of classy. People just don't have duck every day. So my special lady, she uh, calls me and says, you know, uh, the boy wants duck. Um, so I need you to come with me to get it. So I'm like, you know, well, what's the, the big deal? Why you need me to come get it? I'm thinking you're going to some sort of butcher. She's saying that she doesn't want to go to this particular place place to get the duck because they have to, I guess they have to, to take care of it, quote unquote, I got my air quotes up, to take care of the duck, to prepare it for you to actually eat it. So um, I uh, say, okay, fine, I'll go with you to go pick up the duck. That's not a problem whatsoever. So we go uh, to this place. It's in Yonkers. I live in Yonkers. And it's in, it's, the place is in like, uh, it's in like, uh, it's hard to explain. There's a, it's like the downtown area, close to the water, um, close to Broadway. And it's, a, I would say it's, it's next to, the place where you're getting your, your, your duck and your live chickens is next to an auto body shop. And it's across the street from like a pharmacy. It's kind of like a sketchy pattern of businesses, but who, who cares? We're coming here to get the duck. So we go, we get the duck, and you know they got all these chickens and stuff. And and it's it's I don't even know what you would call this place. Is it like a, a chicken coop? Is it like a, a, a chicken farm? A kill house? I don't know, but it was just. It was a very, it wasn't a pleasant experience walking into the place. The smell was not that great. It wasn't that great. I mean, I'm not a big fan of like zoos and, and wild animals anyway. So, you know, being here was, was sort of a favor. But this is my special lady. And my baby boy wanted duck for, uh, for, for uh, Thanksgiving. So we're here and I notice that the ducks are in, in like a cage towards the back. Now, mind you, it's like... I want to say it's probably about 200, maybe 100 yards away from the actual entrance where you see the cages. But you can see there's, there's live animals there. So uh, ask for the duck. <laughs> ask for the duck. And this guy, he, he comes out. Yeah, the, the, the gentleman comes out. And uh, he looks like he 
runs a couple of businesses. I mean, he looks like a serious, serious character. Um, and uh, he comes out and he starts talking to us about, you know, turkeys. And he's like, oh, you the guys get, you, you, you're getting the duck. Like, okay, like you really got to know how to, you know, cook duck and stuff like that. I mean, because it could be a disaster. And this is the, the, this is the point he tried to, to drive home with us. But then he starts going on about, you know, about how he's getting a lot of turkeys and they're bruised up. And it's just like, and I'm looking at the guy and he's talking to me. And I'm like, yo, this dude has on a pretty dope Rolex. You know, he's got the, the pinky ring is, is definitely official. You know, he's, 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 got the, he's got the Sergio Tacchini suit on. I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. It was a fila suit. It was a fila suit, but it was velour and it was dope. And he was talking to me. And, you know, I just was like, you know, this guy, he's a serious dude. So he's talking to us. And then um, the duck gets, uh, gets, gets called to, I guess, to the place where it's going to get prepared, air quotes again. And I see like this little, little lady. She's like carrying a duck by its neck. And she's like walking. The duck is going crazy. And I locked eyes with the duck from like a couple of yards, a couple of like maybe 30 yards away. And I seen the duck. And the duck was just like, you know, save me. I'm like, I'm not here for that. Takes the duck into the room and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, I was, at, I felt the way. I felt the way. I felt bad for the duck. I mean, I felt bad for all the animals that were in there, but I, I, at that point, I kind of understood why people don't eat meat, don't eat animals, because it's like, eh, you know, is this, is this really worth it? Is this something that I want to, you know, but, you know, but, but eh, like I said, what do you expect when you go to a place that literally sells live animals for you to eat? Like, it's, I mean, I don't know if the people that work there, you know, feel away because they're snapping bird's necks every day all day i don't know if they're a little bit but the way this guy was talking the way he was talking to me about you know about bruised turkeys and and chickens that come in crates that you know that this is a this is a thing and uh i don't know but at the end of the day the, the you got a duck killed you got a whole duck killed so we could have a, a, a nice little meal. And when I tell you that that duck was delicious, was tender, greasy. I mean, we saved the duck fat for like eggs and stuff, you know, going, going forward. But I mean, holy moly. You know, I, I thought I couldn't eat duck, man. I, I, I want to go back there. It was so delicious. Don't think less of me. You know, I've never been there. But, you know, hey, everybody was happy. Everybody praised the duck. So I just want to, you know, give a shout out to, you know, all the ducks and chicken kill houses that are going to get, you know, whammed up for the holidays to, you know. And I don't know. Don't ducks go into pate as well? I don't know. Who knows? But there you go with the duck story. So in the pop culture section of what do you know, what do you say, I peeped uh, two movies this week, you know. Two that were not necessarily that you know important to me, but you know, I, you know I, one I really, really wanted to see, and one was like a a remix from when I was a kid. So the first one is The Irishman by Scorsese. Scorsese movie starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, uh, 
I think Steve Zalian wrote the script. I mean, it's, it's on paper, this movie, this movie seems like it's it. It seems like it's it. And, uh, and to be honest, it had, its, it had its moments. It definitely had its moments. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big-time Scorsese fan. Like, I, I love Scorsese movies. Like, I just like the way, you know, he tells a story. I like the way that, you know, he is with dialogue. His dialogue is very, very, very true to life. It's very, it, it flows. And I'm a big dialogue person. And, you know, and, and, and the stories that he tells, you know, that, to be honest, he, they're not even really stories. They're, they're mainly, I don't even know how I could even characterize Scorsese. But he's a genius. I feel like he's a genius. Couple of problems with the Irishman, though. Just a few. Now, mind you, the Irishman, this thing had a $200 million budget. And I could probably tell you where this $200 million went. So I'm going to say probably, most likely, at least $100 million went to Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, and uh, my friend, the, the guy, Joe Pesci. The other hundred million, I'm pretty sure, went to a discount brand of CGI that made this movie super creepy and a little unwatchable at spots. So, I mean, this CGI that they use when they want to de-age characters. Now, I've seen this happen in Marvel movies. Marvel knows how to do it. Marvel is, they're the king of CGI. They, CGI is their thing. Um, there was a couple of scenes where they de-aged Samuel L. Jackson. I think they de-aged Michael Douglas. And I think they de-aged uh, uh, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Now, they did this seamlessly. That's the whole thing. When you want to use CGI to make someone look younger, it has to be seamless. It has to be, you know, it has to not only look like it's part of the story, but it has to fit the person's body. This CGI that they did for the Irishman was so creepy, it was so out of place. I mean, I understand how they, they wanted to use it to tell the story of this guy's, you know, how he was doing stuff throughout, you know, throughout the years. Uh, the movie's about Frank Sheeran. So the guy's like a teamster boss, he's a hitman, he's a, he's a veteran, he's, he's all this stuff. So this is basically what the story's about. Now, as you can see, I'm, I was really vested into this story because I read a couple of articles. Like, I, I've been, you know, monitoring the making of this film. And um, when I see how they try to de-age De Niro, it was like, okay, parts of it was, 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 was cool. But then I would say 70% of it is very distracting. Because it's like you're trying to have a, a 35-year-old, 40-year-old De Niro's head on an 85-year-old De Niro's body. And the movements is mad rickety. I mean, he just looks like, I mean, he has like his shoulders on his neck. It, it, just, it just looked crazy. It looked crazy. And I just didn't know exactly, you know, what to think about it. I mean, it, it was cool that you try to use this in the story to 
to basically tell the story, but it didn't work. It didn't work for me, you know. It was something that was, um, it was something that was unnecessary. I, I feel like you could have maybe taken these parts out because my other gripe with this was that the movie was actually too long, like overly long. It's like you're watching the movie and then I'm not gonna, I mean, you know it's about Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa gets smoked. After Jimmy Hoffa gets smoked, there's like an hour left of this movie, man. And it was like, why are you still telling this story? Like I'm feeling like they could have wrapped it up after Jimmy Hoffa gets smoked. Another problem I had with it, Robert De Niro in this movie killed a lot of people. And a lot of these killings was like run-ups. Now, <laughs> there's a couple of scenes where Robert De Niro runs up on people and like shoots them right in the head. And it looks mad funny because it's a young face Robert De Niro, but with the old body. So the run-ups is not that intimidating. You know what I'm saying? Nobody will respect a run-up like this. Effective, effective, but not respectful. So, I mean... Maybe I'll watch it again. I've been trying to watch it. I've been trying to get through it, keep falling asleep on this thing. So I'm gonna have to say it sucks. I'm gonna have to retract the fact that I said once upon a time in Hollywood sucked on my last podcast because I got to watch that in its entirety. And it, you know, it's a pretty good movie. Um, a little out of place with the violence on that one as well, but it's a Tarantino movie, so you live with it. Check it out if you get a chance. The other movie that I watched this week is an older movie, and I forgot how funny this movie was. Class Act with Kid and Play. Now, I don't, I mean, I've seen Kid and Play like recently. They're, they're I mean, they're, um, for lack of a better word, these guys are washed. Um, but I mean, that's what happens. This stuff was like in the early 90s. The first thing I wanna say about Class Act is that I don't know why these guys didn't have more movies after this. Like, they, they made a great movie. They made a great movie. This movie was funny. It was like, uh, it was like a take on The Prince and the Pauper or like uh, any movie that's, you know, where people switch places. Like, so Kid is supposed to be like a tough thug and then Play is supposed to be like a, a, brilliant, uh, a brilliant valedictorian student, what have you. Great movie, great movie. If you've never seen it, check it out. It's, it's, I mean, you can't go wrong with a kid and play movie. The one thing I did notice about this movie is this movie, Class Act, maybe had the hardest soundtrack ever, ever. I mean, if you watch Class Act, if you get a chance, it's on, it's on Netflix. If you get a chance to watch Class Act, if you're from my generation, I mean, if you're like, between the ages of 35 and let's say 45. Listen to the music that's in this movie. Every single song that's in Class Act, that's on that soundtrack, so to speak, is a classic. And I was like bugging out because everything that you hear, you're just like, wow, I can't believe this was in this movie. And you forget that they used to use movies to sell music, you know, prior to streaming stuff. So, I mean, if you get a chance, if you get a chance, the culture you you need is Class Act with Kid and Play. Yes, class act with Kid and Play. And I want you to kind of stay away from the Irishman, even though I know you guys won't do it. But when you watch it and you'll be like, what the hell? 
You know what I'm saying? But if you got four hours, three hours, and you ain't doing nothing, and you, and you want to learn about Teamsters and, and all that crazy stuff, go ahead and watch it. It's not the worst movie in the world, but eh, I just can't, throw my, just can't throw an endorsement behind it. And it's Scorsese, so you know it's bad. So in my, uh, in my uh, podcast journey, I've started to create a format. Of, you know, it's, it's actually making this whole journey of mine a little bit, a little bit more, more fun, a little easier. So I've decided to add segments into my podcast. The one we just heard was the, the culture part. Now, this one is going to be my top three. So my top three for the week, it could be anything. I'm going to probably make a hat, cut up a bunch of subjects, topics, whatever, and just call on them whenever, especially when I get to have my first couple of guests. This is going to be awesome. So my top three for this week, I'm going to go with cereals. Yes, cereals. Yeah, this top three could be anything. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I believe that cereal is very is very, very important to pop culture. It's important to TV watching. It's important to the milk industry, you know, cereal. And uh, I was watching some sort of comedian. He was like, yo, cereals in America are actively trying to kill you. And they are, you know. I mean, it's pure sugar, but I sure do love a, a, a great cereal, man. Cereal is, is the bomb. I was raised on cereal. But here I am. I feel comfortable enough that I can give you my top three cereals of all time. And um, the funny thing is, I probably have at least one of these in my house right now. My special lady won't let me have um, too much sugary cereal. It's, it's called love. But uh, number, number three in the top three of my, my cereals, I'm gonna have to go with Apple Jacks. Apple Jacks are super, super official. Um, they, leave, they leave the milk, they leave the milk very, very, like a, a cool strawberry, apple type of flavor. I, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to replicate the dopeness of Apple Jacks. Apple Jacks are just like, I mean, but they don't really taste like apple. It's just, but I mean, you really can't go wrong with Apple Jacks. I'm pretty sure the sugar in Apple Jacks is through the roof, but delicious, absolutely. And the milk part after, you know, my thing with, with, with sugary cereals is it has to leave the milk at the end better than, you know, than it was when it was first encountered. And Apple Jacks milk, man, you could bottle that stuff. You could bottle the stuff, sell it on a street corner, $10 a pop. Probably not that much, but you know what I'm saying. My number two cereal of all time, number two, and this is just in my opinion, people. So, you know, you, could, you can go argue about this all you want, um, but you're not going to change my mind. Number two cereal of all time is Lucky Charms. Yes, Lucky Charms. I, I'm pretty sure guys are pretty uh, surprised that I'm saying that. Um, nobody I know likes Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms are really weird. It's like you got a semi-sugary cereal, but then you have like these stupid sugary little fake marshmallow candies in it. I mean, the cereal has marshmallow candy, like little candies in it. Like, I mean, come on now. 
I mean, I don't know how many people got to enjoy Lucky Charms, but they had some, you know, pretty dope commercials and talking about their magically delicious. It's, I mean, it's like Lucky Charms. This is a gambling podcast. What do you think I'm supposed to say? You know, rabbit's foots, shamrocks, whatever, anything that, you know, promotes luck, you know, things of that nature. So, of course, Lucky Charms is going to be number two on my list of my top three of cereals of all time. You want to name your top three cereals? You get your own top three and you get your own podcast and then we can go head to head. But Lucky Charms is there. So right now we have Apple Jacks at three. I got Lucky Charms at two. And my number one cereal of all time. This is, I mean, in all honesty, it really shouldn't be as high as it is because it's actually based off of a of a TV show, but I mean, come on, man. This, this, this cereal right here is, is it Fruity Pebbles? Yes. Fruity Pebbles. You heard me say it. Fruity Pebbles are so official. They are probably the most official cereal I've ever had. I mean, they're, they're Rice Krispies. They're colored Rice Krispies with tons of sugar on them. And sometimes if you get the right box, you might get like a little little maze on the back. You know, I'm pretty sure that I don't remember what type of toys Fruity Pebbles gave you, but I'm pretty sure that they were awesome. And I'm pretty sure you didn't care because once you have a couple of bowls of Fruity Pebbles, you're ready to go swim 17 laps in an Olympic pool, maybe run four or five miles because that sugar is going to have you through the roof, boy. Fruity Pebbles. I'm, I'm, I got to got a box in the house right now. Um, me and my son, we, we, we're big time cereal people. I kind of put him on to Fruity Pebbles. I'm a little disappointed on how he opened the bag for the Fruity Pebbles. He's a, a Honey Nut Cheerios guy, but he opened the bag of the Fruity Pebbles like he really didn't have respect for the bag. I hate that. We'll have a talk about it. He'll probably do it again. I can't say nothing to the guy. He's my son. I love him. It's my cross to bear. So who, 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 who wants, uh, what are you going to do? It's cereal, for Pete's sake. Frickin' cereal. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I gave you my top three about cereal. We talked about uh, Thanksgiving. So let's get down to these picks, shall we? Let's. So I, I guess I'm kind of fortunate that I didn't get a chance to get on here and do this podcast and make a fool out of myself and pick the Cowboys last night like I did on my story. But, um, yeah, the Cowboys, they've been letting me down all, all year. And, I mean, how can I be surprised? They're the Cowboys. They, they, they win the games they're, they're, they're you know, not supposed to, and they lose the games they're supposed to win. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I feel like, hey, you know, that's why they call it gambling. So let's start off with the 1 p.m. games on Sunday. The first game that we have, we're going to have Carolina going to Atlanta. Okay, so I'm thinking that Atlanta is going to probably take this. They're two or three in their last five. Uh, You know, they're doing 319 passing yards through the air, and it's a division game. Um, I'm thinking they want to close out strong. I still think that their coach is a goner. But I, I really feel like this is a winnable game for them. Um, so I, I believe this is a value game since the, the point spread is so low. Uh, I'm going to take Atlanta at a minus three. 
but I'm going to take the over at 47. I expect Carolina to put up some points, but I just don't expect them to win this game. They're in flux. They just fired their head coach. So, I mean, everybody's being looked at in the organization now, and this generally doesn't bode well for anyone. You know, once the, the head coach gets, there's going to be major turnover in that organization. So, I mean, I don't expect them to do much this weekend. There's four games left. I mean, who are you trying out for? So, like I said, I'm going to take Atlanta at a minus three, and I'm going to take the over, which is 47. My next 1 p.m. game is probably the must-watch game. And I'm going to make it, you know, I'm going to make it the game that I'm, I'm, I'm probably picking for you guys to you know, to put some money on. It's Baltimore at Buffalo. Now, Buffalo, they're, they're a young upstart. I mean, their defense is A1. Um, their quarterback is playing really good ball. I think this is his second year. They look like they, they, they're primed to, to do some things. They definitely look like they're primed to do some things. And this, this, is, this could be a, a real total upset. Um, and that's what I'm thinking. Baltimore, that's my Super Bowl pick. I, I have them going in the Super Bowl. They are the number one seed in the AFC right now. So as it stands, everybody has to go through Baltimore in the playoffs. If they, you know, if they keep pace, that's a, a really, really difficult place to win in the playoffs in January. I mean, I, I'm, I've lived in Baltimore for about six years, man. It, if anybody has to come there to try to win a game, against that defense and against that quarterback, it's, it's definitely not going to be easy. This probably is a harder game to handicap simply because, you know, the fact that these two teams are pretty much in the playoffs as of right now. Um, Buffalo as a wild card and Baltimore as the n- number one seed. So this is something that we could literally see in the playoffs if, you know, if things go to plan. I am going to have to go with Buffalo in this one since the spread is, is, is about a touchdown. Um, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think that they may find a way to kind of to to you know, deactivate Lamar Jackson. Um, they're going to force him to throw the ball because that, puts, that doesn't put that much – emphasis on the on the run defense of the, of the Bills. Not that I'm saying that they can't handle a running quarterback. I think they will key on this guy. I just don't think that anybody is going to be able to defend this guy. I, I, I mean, like I said, I've been talking about this guy all season. Like, I, anybody who didn't draft him and had the chance to draft him, shame on you. Shame on you. This, this kid is, is, is ridiculous. He is ridiculous. He's the future of the league. He is the future of the league. I mean, he is a Swiss Army knife. He can throw. He can run. Um, and what I've noticed, I've really noticed what happens with the freedom that, that John Harbaugh gives this guy at the line of scrimmage. That's where you really see the greatness of a quarterback come into play. But I, I definitely think this is going to be one of the best games of the year. Um, I hope everybody gets out all right. You know, I hope there's no injuries or anything like that because this is going to – that would really jam one of these teams up going towards the playoffs. With that being said, I'm going to take Buffalo at a plus six, and then I am going to take the over, which is 43 and a half. 
the next set of 1 p.m. games. I mean, a lot of these teams are pretty much out of the playoff race. So, I mean, it, these really could go either way. So, the next game, I got Cincinnati at Cleveland. So, with that being said, Cleveland has a little bit more to play for than Cincinnati. Cincinnati actually uh, went from being a, a winless 0-11 team to beating the Jets last week in spectacular fashion. <laughs> Would you look at that? So I'm going to take Cleveland at a plus eight, and I'm going to take the under, which is 42. This is a, a division game, plus it's an in-state game. It should be pretty entertaining. I wouldn't touch this game with a stick, though. Uh, I'm going to uh, look at the Redskins at the Packers. And now the Redskins, they have a new quarterback, the, the Haskins kid. He got his first win last week or the week before, and... You know, and the Redskins are looking like a complete and total mess, and they're going to be like that for the next couple of years because they're the Redskins. And they're going to be playing the Packers, another team which is looking pretty good going into the home stretch. I mean, they got everything that you need to, to make a, a very deep playoff run. You have a, a, a veteran franchise QB. You have an opportunistic defense. You have a, a pretty, pretty decent run game. And you have creative coaching. This may bode well for them. With that being said, there's a pretty, pretty big margin on this game. Uh, the Packers are going to win this game, but they don't need it. Uh, I'm going to take the Redskins at plus 12 and a half. And I'm going to take the over, which is 42. Surprisingly, the Redskins can still make the playoffs if everything goes right in the NFC East. Who knows? If they go to the playoffs, that would be, like, the most funniest, amazing thing ever. But moving on, the next 1 o'clock game is Denver at Houston. I mean, this is also a game with a pretty big spread. Um, I'm actually looking for Houston to cover this. I'm going to take Houston at a minus 9, and I'm going to take the over, which is 43. They like to put up some points. Denver, Denver's finished. That coach, I mean, I don't know. Vic Fangio, he probably gets maybe three or four games going in the next season. But I just felt like, you know, nobody really wanted that, that particular franchise anyway. Um, Flacco, he's probably finished. But like I said, Houston at a minus nine. And I'm going to take the over, which is 43. The next one o'clock game is maybe uh, also a playoff preview something that could happen in the playoffs. I'm looking at San Fran at New Orleans. Now, this game um, should be very interesting. It should be very interesting. Um, San Fran has a really, really good defensive line, and I just want to see, you know, how they make life kind of difficult for Drew Brees. Um, this, is, this is a game that they need. This is a game that San Fran really needs. I believe they need it more than New Orleans needs it. Um, and I think they're going to come in there fired up. So I'm going to take San Francisco at a plus three. And I'm also going to take the over, which is 45. The next game that we have at 1 p.m., we have another division game. It seems it's pretty dope that, they, that the NFL schedules like all the division games towards the end of the year. So if there's any type of close type of playoff picture, everything can get kind of like real clear in a, in a heartbeat because you have division games going on. 
I think this is one of the more awesome things that the NFL has done. I mean, they've done a lot of real sucky things, but their scheduling has been pretty much on point. So I'm looking at Detroit at Minnesota. There is a pretty big spread on this one as well. So I'm looking at Detroit to at a plus 13. I'm taking Detroit at a plus 13, even though they have some sort of quarterback that I've never heard of. And Minnesota really needs this game. And I'm going to take the under, which is 43. Division games, I don't really see division games being blowouts, um, especially this late in the year. I mean, anything can happen any given Sunday, right? Isn't that the thing? The next game is Miami at New York. Yeah, Miami at the New York Jets. Uh, guess my better judgment. I am going to take the Jets at a plus six. They're coming off a really bad loss in Cincinnati. Yes, a bad loss in Cincinnati. So I'm going to take the Jets at a plus six, and I'm going to take the over, which is 45 and a half. Come on, Jets. Let's see if we can do something at least once. At least once. So the next game that I have is Indiana, Indianapolis. Yes, Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. Indianapolis, they are looking for a playoff berth. Um, they play pretty good ball. I believe they're 6-6. Six and six. They can make the playoffs. Right now, currently, I think they're may, they may be about the ninth seed, if I'm not mistaken. They're probably, yeah. So they're the ninth seed at 6-6. Six and six. So they can legit make the playoffs. They need a couple of perfect things to happen. But, you know, they're on the outside looking in right now. And um, if, you know, if, if I guess if six or seven things happen perfectly, they can win. So I'm going to take them in this game at a plus three. But I'm going to take the under, which is 47. The next game is two teams that are thoroughly out of it. We have the Chargers and the Jaguars. Now, the Chargers are generally... Eh, I really had high hopes for the Chargers. I like the coach. I like the quarterback. I, I just like the situation. But it seems like this year was not their year. Maybe next year. Maybe not. But I am going to take the Chargers at a minus three. They're at home. And I'm going to take the under, which is 42 and a half. The next game should, I don't know if they're going to flex this, but this seems like this is going to be a pretty, game, pretty good game as well. Got Kansas City at New England. That's another 1 p.m. game. Oh, no, no, that's not a 1 p.m. game. That is a 4 o'clock game. Of course. Of course it's a 4 o'clock game. So we got Kansas City and New England. I, I would be hard-pressed to ever pick against New England, you know, when they're at home and when they're playing this well. So I am not going to do it. So I'm going to take the Pats at a minus 3, and I'm going to take the over, which is a 48, because both of these teams like to, to put it in the air. Um, I see Mahomes having a pretty good game, but I just don't see them coming to uh, to New England and, and, you know, doing anything. So the next game we have is going to be Pittsburgh at Arizona. Now, for some strange reason, I feel like Arizona is maybe on the cusp of something. I really like the kid that they got in the draft. Um, I, I, I'm impressed by his poise. 
Um, and plus, he has Larry Fitzgerald to kind of take him through the nuance of an NFL offense and stuff like that. This guy's been around forever. You can't discount that type of um, that type of experience, and you know, just seeing you know different scenarios and being able to articulate that to, to somebody who's going to be here, you know, long after you you retired. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to take Arizona at two and a half. Then I'm going to take the under, which is 43. The next game is Tennessee at Oakland. Now, Oakland, I mean, they're actually still able to make the playoffs as well. I don't know if they're going to. It would be pretty dope to see them, you know, make it at six and six. They're the eighth seed right now. They're on the outside looking in, but like I said, if a, if a three or four or five or six or 11 things happen, you'll be seeing them in the playoffs. They won't have a home game, but they'll be traveling somewhere and get bumped off before they move on to Vegas. With that being said, I like Tennessee's run game. I like Derrick Henry, and I think Tennessee is on the cusp of actually being good, not with Tannehill at the quarterback, though. Oh, goodness. So I'm going to take Tennessee at a plus two and a half, and I'm going to take the under, which is 47 and a half. Now, for the nighttime games, uh, the A20 game is Seattle at LA. Now, Seattle is my other Super Bowl pick. I really like Seattle. I mean, I pick Seattle every year. I just like Russell Wilson. I like Pete Carroll. I like that organization. I like their continuity. Um, I like what they do on defense every year. They kind of reinvent themselves. They can go in between being, you know, a, a very explosive team to being a run team. I mean, at their essence, at their at their heart, they are a run team. I mean, every team in the NFL wants to have a, a bruising rushing attack, but Seattle's running attack has always been has always been um, pretty pretty adequate. Um, but I, I like what they're doing this year. Um, so they're going to L.A. Now, I think that this is a good game to bet on because it's a pick em. There's no There's no line on this game. There's an under. There's an there's a over-under of 46.5. I'm going to probably take the over on that because it's a division game. It's Sunday night. Seattle, you know, they, they, they want to go into the playoffs, you know, with a, you know, with momentum. I mean, what better than to do it than to go in, you know, beating the, the, the team that's in the division that was in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, the amount of confidence that you could have, that you can build off of, you know, with that particular, with that particular type of win is, um, it's priceless. It's really priceless. So I, I could just imagine that Seattle is going to win this game. And like you said, it's a pick em. So this is the game that you just say, hey, look, you know, let me just get a couple of dollars. I'm going to take Seattle. Take Seattle in this game and you will not be sorry. And if you want to do the over-under, I would say let's go over 46 and a half. There should be some points scored in this game. And Monday night football. And here we go. We're going to have the... Uh, the New York Giants, my beloved New York Giants, at Philly. Now, there are two things at play here. Two things. As I prepared to go, you know, 
leave work for the weekend and as I prepare to, you know, go home and stuff. I'm going to I'm going to definitely key on this. Philly needs to win this game if they want to make the playoffs. Like they absolutely absolutely have to win this game. Like their their playoffs literally start started like last week after they lost. So they legit have to win this game again. This is a must win. They're at home. It's a Monday nighter. You know, they definitely have to have a good showing. Wentz has to show why he's going to get a, a $100 million contract. Um, they basically have to be perfect in this game. And to be perfect against the Giants this year, I mean, it, it's, it's really not, not that difficult to beat them. The Giants are, uh, for lack of a better word, terrible. And everybody who was involved in putting this team together needs to be fired. I mean, during the offseason, you, you wanted to think like, hey, listen, oh, yeah, they, they, they got rid of Odell for this guy, whatever. No, no, you just got rid of a superstar. Like, I thought it was a good trade, but then I'm like, no, nah, it's not a good trade because it's like now who do you replace Odell Beckham with? I mean, you really got to think about it. Like, who do you replace Odell Beckham with? Uh, a strong safety, another lineman, and a draft pick. Okay, you know, but you already paid the guy. Why didn't you trade him before you pay? It doesn't make any sense. David Gettleman doesn't make any sense. David Gettleman has been around some championship squads. He's built some championship caliber teams. I think that day has passed. I don't really think that he knows how to evaluate talent, you know, 21st century talent. Now, if we, this was 1980. If this was 1992, I think that he'd be right where he's supposed to be, but this isn't. I mean, how you guys pass up on Mahomes, pass up on, pass up on Lamar Jackson? What do we have to show for it? What do we have to show for it? We have a running back who is, like, dancing behind the line now. I mean, if you want to try to draft a team and you want to try to put a team together that, that, that's, that resembles some sort of, like, 70s, you know, you know grind them, grind it out type of – I mean, that's fine. But you got to know what you're doing. And – to be honest, to, to, I could go back and forth about drafting a running back with the second pick, and you got all these other guys sitting here, and you just don't take advantage of it. I can go back and forth about that, but I'm not going to do it because it's going to make me look dumb. Why should I look dumb when I'm already a Giants fan, so I already look that way? But with that being said, Monday Night Football, you got the New York Giants going into Philly, and Eli is going to be starting. So... What is this going to be? Is this going to be one of those type of deals where Eli comes back and just flashes the magic for his last couple of times? If you know, is this his last game? Is this the last time he's going to? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I feel like Eli is going to come in and he's going to be serviceable. I feel like he's going to come in and he's going to play a good game. I don't really expect Philly to win. Um, I mean, I don't expect Philly to lose this game because they really need this game to get into the playoffs. Um, they, like I said, their playoffs have started right now. So if they don't get this game, oh, this is, this is bad. This is really bad. But I don't think the Giants are just going to lay down and just give this game to them. Um, it might be hard fought. But what I'm going to do with this Monday night game, the Giants and the Jets, they always let me down. I, I'm thinking that this... This, this may go the way I say it, it's going to go. So I'm going to take the Giants 
at a plus nine and a half. I see them being competitive in this game simply because it's Eli's, you know, you know, kind of farewell tour or what have you, if one game is a farewell tour. But I'm going to take the Giants at a plus nine and a half. I'm going to have a good time watching this game. I hope that he, you know, plays well. And then I'm going to take the under, which is 45, because I, I just don't know if there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I feel like it's going to be a, 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 a time of possession battle, a punt-a-thon, a field goal, a field goal uh, palooza. But who knows? All I know is I'm going to enjoy watching these games this week. So I just want to give a big shout out to all everybody who's uh, following. What do you know? What do you say? Uh, like, share, subscribe, whatever the, the lingo is for when you have a podcast. I appreciate everybody that comes out and, you know, that checks me out on a weekly basis. This is uh, the 10th episode and we're going to keep it going. I, I can't wait to get to the playoffs. And uh, yeah, that's it for what do you know? What do you say? And uh, y'all be cool like how y'all be cool. One.